With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is up? Welcome to episode three. 15 of the on the corner podcast i'm your host nick pollock joined by the not nocturnal alex fast what is up not nocturnal because i, I it's 7 30 in the morning yes. out in la 7 30 in the morning uh 10 30 where i am of course we are actually live today on twitch and on periscope via twitter um a special edition Essentially, our schedules weren't lining up, and we figured we need to do this podcast, and we've got like one hour. And what happened is that Alex Fast put out his top 100. I have to thank everybody from Shelly Verstraight to all of you on Twitter, pressuring Fast to get this out. <laughs> and we're all better for it. And I've already, I've already been annoyed, or I've expressed my annoyance that uh-huh. there are no notes. And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not like... It's um, New Girl, No Notes, where that's a good thing. No, no notes? No notes. No, this is no notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and as we were countering, I've got, I just just did the word count. We've got 30,000 words of notes here. Um, And uh, maybe I could share them. My thing is like, I type how I think. And I would uh-huh. probably need to read through each thing and remove a lot of curse words <laughs> before I before I would share these publicly. Mm. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, but also you're going to get all the notes today in this podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, I am the notes. I am the notes. Yeah, I am the notes. Um, <laughs> I you didn't even do tears fast. You know what? I was going to look and do tiers, and then I decided the ADP. I was trying to think what might be more valuable, and I don't know. I thought maybe for this go wrong because I did tiers last year. I thought maybe ADT, ADP might be a little bit more valuable to be like, oh, these are guys that I can um, wait on a little bit, uh, or these are guys that I should probably jump on if I feel favorable about it. I actually took it from from Justin Mason's list. I was looking at some of the other lists after I'd finished mine, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, who does what? You know, Nick obviously has the tiers. Spore just goes, here's the list, no tiers, no ADP. Mason does ADP. Obviously, Ito does all those stuff, pitching plus, all that stuff. Right. And I was like, oh, I think, I think I'm kind of gelling with what ADP does right now, so I went with that. Interesting. Okay. Um, and this is also, the, uh, I, I just love criticizing. It's really fun right now. Um, it is just like, 
I am a table and there I'm yeah, not yeah, interesting. Yeah. I am from Ikea. Mm-hmm. I am basically constructed and that is what you're getting. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is this is like, guys, we're not going to get lost in Ikea today. We're just going to. No, you're going to follow the path because I'm, I'm trying to be practical. Like when I when, maybe people can let me know if I'm wrong. But like when I use a list like this, when I use your list, when I use Eno's list, I go and I look for the name and that's it. I don't look at the tier. I don't look at the color. I'm like where like I'm in the middle of a draft and I'm like, OK, especially in a soil draft. I'm like, well, look at these two pictures. Where does Nick have these two guys? Right. OK, Nick has them here. I'm just searching. I don't care about colors. I don't need it. I'm, I'm in the Ikea. I'm out. Well, yeah, you don't care about my color either um as i'm just kidding all right we're going to talk about this list now i'm actually not even going to talk about the top like 11 because it's yeah. pretty standard affair i mean the only thing really different for me is that you do have Degrom at three and i will say you have you have Degrom at three and you also have rodon at 15 and the mm-hmm. first thing i wanted to talk about because you might say oh my god carlos rodon at 15 i uh, it does seem to me that you are putting kind of the injury risks to the side more so than other people. And I wanted you to get a chance to talk about that. Yeah, totally. So what I did for each person was I ranked, I, I put their innings pitch, their ERA, their K percentage, their Ks, their and their whip. Because to me, I wanted to try and remove as much of the subjectivity as possible. So I, when I'm getting specific about two back-to-back people, I could be like, well, I think this person's going to get X amount of innings. And in that time, he's going to do this. And that theoretically could be more beneficial than than uh, the other guy behind him. So DeGrom and Woodruff are a great example. There's no question in my mind that Woodruff gets more innings than Jacob DeGrom does, right? And probably a significant amount more so, 35. Mm-hmm. But I think that the K rates, DeGrom could theoretically still be at a 34, 35%, while Woodruff is at a 30, 31%, both of which are elite. But at the end of the day, that could equate to the same amount of Ks despite the fewer innings from DeGrom. So, and the whip would theoretically be better. So I was like, all right, I'll just jump him up. I don't, I'm not as concerned about that. And then for uh, Rodon, it was kind of the same thing. I think once we start to get down to that tier a little bit, Morton and Webb, might not have too much of an innings difference between Carlos Rodon at the end of the year. Logan Webb's dealt with injury stuff throughout his career. Charlie Morton, I mean, he hasn't been as injury prone as we think, but he's getting older, and I don't think it would be unrealistic to get 165, 170 innings out of him this year. Rodon, I feel the same way about. So I tried to just put a number to what the injury risk was and then go from there. Okay, cool. I One thing I will say is that the the volatility, the range of outcomes is, is different. Um, so- yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you make a great point. And I actually read an article last night that I thought was really great from from Cameron Grove from Pitching Bot on Twitter. And he talked about um, who essentially has the most to lose if they lose a tick or two of velocity. Oh, you're right. The velocity of vulnerability index. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Carlos Rodon was way up there. And that makes a lot of right. sense. Right. Mm-hmm. We know that if he doesn't have 96, then he's probably not going to be great. John Means was the other one. And man, that first yeah. training outing was yeah, 91. Bad. And you were and I was like, oh, I'm excited. 94. You're like, Nick, don't worry about it. I was like, no, it's important. I uh, from yeah. 2020. But anyway, uh, what I'm more getting at is not necessarily the ability. And that is a good point about Rodon and why we've seen him fall more than mm-hmm. past 15. Why I had him lower was it's not even just how many innings. It's what is the quality of it? Because I don't know if he's going to maintain that velocity too, right? I'm not debating the fact that if he hits on both of those, that is if he has, you know, if he's around for four to five months with 96 mile per hour velocity, like mm-hmm. Rodon is a top 10 pitcher in that time, right? Like he is absurdly good. 
Yeah. Um, but the question that's two ifs there that we're having of what how long is the shoulder going to hold up and what kind of velocity are we going to get from it? The uh, the other thing with the Grom and why I'm more so with volatility is not necessarily of the ability there. It's the volatility of outcomes for innings. And I know we've talked about this before. You're certainly higher than I am on expected innings and more of thinking of it as a projection. I think of it more as more to lose. And, uh, and uh, there's a higher percentage of this burning you um, by going after DeGrom. And that's just, yeah. that's a philosophy that is very much different person to person. I totally yeah. understand chasing DeGrom. For me, if I am going to you know, get a pitcher like DeGrom early on, I don't want that chance of it hurting significantly. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about Rodon too, because I know we have plenty of other pitchers to talk about is because uh, they're all valid points. To me, it's just like if San Francisco thinks that they're going to feeling good about a two year deal with him, I, I just can't believe that that team where they're what they need him for, considering the lack of like pure depth of that rotation. Um, I, I'm not as concerned. Sure. Just, I mean, but that that's that's not evidence. Yeah, that's the, hey, those the, guys think it's right. So right. The, the the Giants deal is actually very much of like the hedging the, of the bet, like a worthy gamble deal. Sure. You know, yeah. it's two years with an opt out and they're just kind of like, let's just kind of see. We got maybe an ace for two years or uh, likely just one if you're getting an ace. But like that's worth it for 20 million or so. Uh, they don't know. I mean, the, the questions that we have about Rodon is that you can't be answered in the off season. It just can't. Well, so, yeah, but they don't know, but they also didn't back it up with other, like that's, that's who, who else they have Alex Cobb, right? Like they don't have right. who, who's there. Like they, they, they're trying to place Kevin Gaussman. You know what I mean? And they didn't go out and fill up a bunch of arms. They got Carlos Renan. Right. They, yeah, they got the they Cobb. They resigned the Scafani and wood. I, uh, they have Logan Webb now for hopefully a full season as well. I mean, it looks like a great rotation right now. It's just about the depth is a question of the giants. Um, but we'll yeah. talk about that another time. I'm going to do something that you don't do, do for me. Inside okay. of this top 20, is there okay. a certain pitcher that you want to talk about more? Oh, that's a great. I like that, Nick. I can start doing that for you. Um, I don't think there really is. I mean, the the the. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm looking at the list now and seeing like if there's anything that like kind of popped out in my head. I mean, Giolito maybe got a little bit of a bump because of the velocity in spring training. I think that was kind of important. I think I had Musgrove yes. over him, and then I put Giolito over him because of that bump. I, I um, might have Giolito as my 10 now above Shane Bieber. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is it's it is really interesting to think about what that additional velo could mean for him and finding another tier. He's been so stable these past couple of years. I mean, he, to me, has been more the Jose Barrios than anyone else. If I recall correctly, when looking, well, at he was, numbers, he was like, the better version of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's just kind of like sitting there. And then I guess, um, freed freed. I came to respect more and more of, as I was like looking at him being like, yeah, like, sure. You're not going to get the elite K's, but you're getting a good amount of K's like, and you're right. still getting really great ratios on a really good team. So moving him up and then I put him, I think above Verlander, because while I am excited about that, Verlander uh ceiling the the notion that we talked about in the last podcast with your list of like if the if the fastball doesn't look the same what impact that could have on the other pitches that sure. scares me a little bit yeah I mean it doesn't scare you enough though 19 is ahead of say Aaron Nola and Lance Lynn and Kevin Gaussman yeah. um and and to the yeah. point about free by the way I think we also forget that he's still kind of young and there's opportunity for that slider and or curveball to become a major whiff pitch this year Especially mm-hmm. with the, la- the first spring training start, we saw 
87 or maybe closer to 89. I don't remember, but it was over two ticks harder on his slider, which may be something to note uh, for Max Fried, maybe turning into a better uh, swing strike or pitch. Something to monitor there. Um, but I do want to move on past the 20s. Uh, we're kind of on the same board, same page, I think, on Aaron Nola about the concerns about the fly ball rates um, yeah. and how much that is going to stick. Um, but this is an interesting four guys here, three, four guys. Shane McClanahan at 21, Lance Lynn at 22, um, and then Kevin Gaussman at 24 with Trevor Rogers at 23. I don't think we really need to talk about that one. Both kind of on the same page there. But those are two sturdy guys of Lance Lynn and Kevin Gaussman that a lot of people are thinking, look, the floor is really high. We feel good about this. Maybe Gaussman has some concerns in Toronto and whatnot. But Lance Lynn has just been a, a product of dependability. Well, here's Shane McClanahan at 21, who's your favorite of the Trevor Rogers, Manoa, McClanahan rookies from last year. I want you to talk about why he's at 21. Yeah, I mean, so I... I a part of me was like trying to, as I was making the list, realize that uh, at points I was making a list of 2021 performance as opposed to what I think 2022 success. Sure, yeah, like. right. And uh, I think that's what ultimately led me to putting McClanahan above there because I think with Lynn, it was more about if anything, there would be minor steps back as opposed to minor steps forward. Um, but I do think that there's a really nice stability there. Um, with Kevin Gassman, I think there really isn't a way for him to go forward because he's been so good. But I, you already hit on some of the concerns there in Toronto with the home run, you know, the, the problems that he's had in the past. Um, and then I just looked at McClanahan and saw what he did last year. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic ability to locate. Great ballpark. Not a huge injury risk. He gets whiffs out of the zone. He gets whiffs inside of the zone. He's very good at limiting contact inside of the zone. Although, yes, of course, when he does allow that contact, it can be loud. It can be super loud. It is very loud on the fastball. Sure. But that's exactly what Bieber was when he was fantastic, mm. right? I mean, it, it's like I contact hard contact is such a nuanced thing. And we talked about this a few podcasts ago. The hard contact is there, but it's when they make contact and they right. don't really make a lot of contact when it comes to Shane McClanahan. The Babbitt leads me to believe that the whip could come down a little bit, maybe to like a 1.5, 1. Uh, excuse me, 1.15, 1.20, maybe every pitch at a Babbitt over 300. Um, and I still think that there are legitimate steps forward with his four seam. His four seam didn't have a swinging strike rate over 10%, but he's thrown it at such a fantastic velocity that I, I don't know. I think there could theoretically be a step forward. We get more innings because, you know, the Rays like to baby him along, but he's going to be their guy this year. I don't know. I, I just think there's a nice step forward to him to really have a great season. I mean, I feel really weird saying anything negative about Shane McClanahan, considering I am a McClanistan. And I uh, 30% hard contact rate ranked 152nd among all starters last year. True. Um, and that's over plate appearance. Keep in mind, that's not when he allows barrels. That's across every plate appearance and how it ended about three out of 10 were a 95 mile per hour exit velocity or higher. That's not fun. Um, and that's rooted in a four seamer that had a 41% hard contact rate. That is essentially Wascarinola's. Then all the concerns we have about how bad that fastball is, it's replicated in Shane McClanahan's right now. He only threw it 41% of the time. And I wonder if the Rays of all organizations that you think the Rays would figure something out here to affect it um, and make him throw more sliders at 34%, actually probably more curveballs, which only had 20, uh, 17% last year. I do wonder if that's just something we're going to have to deal with 
Um, yeah. And is he Shane Bieber? Does he have the command of Shane Bieber? I'm not quite convinced that it's that yet. Um, and to throw even more bad news, this is something that is very recent, so you wouldn't have been able to adjust this. We watched this morning, Shane McClanahan, uh, his start on Wednesday. He was not sitting 96.4 in that fastball. We, we saw 91 and 92 at times. Seemed like he was sitting 93, 94. He topped out around 95. Uh, maybe there was 196 in there. But not the 101 we saw like in his debut or something like that. Like it was, yeah. it was different. I mean, it's an early spring. Read into that whatever you want. I'm not saying that, oh, yeah. no, now he's destined to be a 94 mile per hour fastball. No, I'm not. It's the first start of spring training. But there is something to be said about that. Like we're already saying right now that McClanahan isn't taking what he did last year and already stepping forward from it. Like, no, he's just trying to get back to that for opening day. And then it's a little bit more. I don't know. I, I'm finding myself not favoring McClanahan as much. I see him as someone that I obviously adore because of those secondary pitches, but just am I too much of a fan? Uh, and is that getting in the way? I don't know. And I, I guess I want to hear more about why it's McClanahan instead of Lance Lynn, because I feel like that's also more of a statement at 22 that you don't like Lance Lynn. No, which is funny. Well, two things. One, the velo drop I'm not as concerned about. Sandy Alcantara was down two ticks on his four-seamer yesterday. Are we talking about that? I mean, not as much because that's still at 96. Well, yeah. But if you sure, want to talk about the, the velocity vulnerability thing, you know, plan hand down to. Yeah. yeah I, but I, it, I just don't... I, I don't. I don't think it's fair to like. I, I yeah, just that's I'm that's a very. About the, that's yeah. a very good point. I mean, I, I think it, also the other difference is that Sandy's fastball is at a, is great. We don't need him to improve or change that, right? Sure. With McClanahan, he's now trying to get back to the thing he had, which wasn't good. That's yeah, all. yeah. That's the only yeah. point there. But uh, yeah, I'm not overly concerned about it. It's just something that okay. we need to be noting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with Lynn, I mean. I really uh, we, those are the, that was Lim was the guy that I was kind of touting up on the podcast earlier with Joe Pisapia. Um, I do really love Lynn, right? Because I do think that that fastball cutter combination is elite, and it's something that can continue to sustain. But again, we're looking about what future performance is going to look like, and I think that there. I mean, I think we can both agree the the floor, uh, excuse me, the ceiling for McClanahan is, is higher than it is for Lynn. If Lynn, if McClanahan does have that four seam working, he, I mean, the other pitches are fantastic. Yeah, um, I'm not necessarily disagreeing about like the ultimate ceiling, the percentage of outcomes. I know it sounds like really weird to say it like that, but the chance of McClanahan hitting that, I think we're still a little ways away from. Okay. Um, and Lance Lynn, to me, is just much more of a secure like this is going to be great. And you guys know it's going to be great. Uh, and that's really, really cool and nice and comforting to yeah. have on my fantasy teams. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's not he's not far down. Um, I'm going to keep moving here. I okay. I think one that surprised me was at 28. You have, you know, you have a lot of the standard guys, Montes and Darvish and Brias is all like the twenties that I know and love. And like, Oh yeah, that's, mm -hmm. this is a list that I get, but 28 is Chris sale. And this is knowing about the rib injury. Uh, and I put my, I did the whole thing and we, we've talked about this a lot and considering that this is a one-time list, it makes a lot more sense about how you're doing this where instead of separating the injured guys, and into one like because there's a whole thing about keeping it updated for me it makes sense to yeah. separate it but it's just one list as of right now this is how i'm drafting my team totally include all the injured guys and you have sale at 28 and then later on you have flarity at 41 so yeah. and i personally made it so that once i'm at the point of my drafts where i know i'm not getting definitive value for my team like guys that i know that um 
all the guys that I could trust through the entire year are drafted now. That is the point I shift to the question marks of injured folk. And that includes Chris Sale, but you're doing this at 28. I'm doing it at like 55. Sure. So why is Chris Sale at 28 for you? If there was a tier to be had, it would probably start at Sale and end probably like a little mini tier of Sale up to Kershaw, right? Oh, excuse me, plus- mini tiers? Mini tiers? You got upset at me at mini tiers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But your okay. mini tier, wasn't it like two people? It was three, four, three. Yeah. Okay. Three okay, yeah, and that okay. whatever. This is five. What's this is what's five the difference? Five, uh, five. Two more. Two more. Come difference. on. Um, I I think that these are all guys. So these these are all guys who there were whispers of injury concern um, in spring training or legitimate <laughs> or legitimate injury concern already in sale or uh, you know there will be injury concern in Clayton Kershaw. Um, and so again, if I'm trying to equate, like it's a, it's a, it's a cracked rib, right? Um, I, I don't know. Bruise, it is a crap. It's a, it's, it's, it's a rib injury is from what it's a rib it might be cracked. It's, yeah. It's not yeah, good. It's a rib injury. It's not good, but it's one that is not an arm injury. Sure. Um, and so even if you pump him down to what, what do you think is his realistic inning total? Chris sale? Yeah. Well, that's okay. This is, this is a tough question. I, uh, because right. You say, I don't know. When are you okay? First, let's start with this. When are you expecting Sale to return? If it's yeah, I don't. I don't know. We haven't seen any legitimate timelines, right? But if it's a rib, it's probably a couple of weeks to let it heal, and you can't really do much, right? And then you got then you got to normally return. You got to actually like prepare during tra- training for like a month. So yeah. I'm saying like May twentieth, something like that is, is sure. when he returns. You know, maybe it could be June first or something like that. I don't know. But then, and then it's a I don't know four plus months of of pitching, so I guess that turns into thirty a month. So then, like one hundred twenty innings. Yeah, so I have him at like one hundred and forty. Okay, right, and I think that when Chris Sale comes back, he can be Chris Sale. Well, that that is that's where what is what is opinion. Chris Sale right now? That that's the other question yeah. I have because last year we saw one thirty five WHIP in those nine starts, which I understand nine starts, forty two innings. We don't, I don't expect a one thirty five WHIP. But the changeup was a little bit worse. Uh, he mm-hmm. didn't have the same uh, CSW marks that we see across the board. It wasn't overwhelming. Chris Sale, the velocity was still down. It was a 94 mile per hour fastball, not this like 96 yeah. that we've seen in the past. So there were already question marks about that. And now that we have this rib injury now taking a chunk of that season away, I'm surprised it wasn't farther than 28. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I, again, like I think that with other these other guys behind him, like I just don't see um i mean i guess you could say that as we get into like that other tier below it like manoa sees castillo yeah you can definitely make an argument for for bumping those guys up but i also think that they have warts as well so i would think that like okay let's say chris sale comes back and he gives you like a three five three six with like a 110 he's probably like first of all if he's oh, doing that man. he's, then yeah, he's that not chris sounds, sale that anymore great period. I mean, that, that's oh, you're wonderful saying, if I get that. A 110 whip from Chris Sale and like a 3.6, I'm like, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, I just don't think that's too far off from what I would anticipate him being mm-hmm. able to sure. do. Um, and because if it if it isn't, then Chris Sale's done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, well, he's not, I mean, I feel, yeah, I think there's like a range of like a 117 whip, like a 3.8, like that. that's fine. But yeah, yeah, sure. 3.6, we're saying like you're not, you know, you're hoping for like a three one or something like that. And Let me like, explain yeah, done too. I don't, I don't mean done yeah, yeah. as in a career. I mean done is in the Chris Sale that we could ever rely on drafting. Again. Right. He's right. kind of like Zach Granke, or it's like mm. it's not there anymore. You're yep. not getting. I got it. You know. Um. 
so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, I, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit too high in it, but I do think that if we do get 140 and we do get Chris Sale, then this late where he's going, then that, I mean, didn't, I don't, you, you didn't take him in. Oh, I got it for $2 in tout. You got it for $2. Yeah. See, well, the, and this is the, this is the thing though. I, I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to draft Chris Sale. I, I'm not going to draft him above all of these guys though. Like Alec, well, you, Manoa, yeah. Dylan Steese, Luis, Luis Castillo, Blake Snell, Tyler Molly, Michael Kopech, Chris Bassett, et cetera, are all making out the thirties here after that little mini tier you said. And you feel comfortable saying like all those guys are on the board. I'm going to take Chris sale who isn't going to start until May or so. Uh, yeah, 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 I guess so. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, maybe I can, I can, I can understand the case for dropping him down to where Flaherty is now, you know, Flaherty might be Flaherty's injury concerns me a lot more than Chris. Do you think it's does. more of a sustainable thing through the year for, for Flaherty? Uh, the injury as in like the impact is not, is going to linger in some way. Yeah. It also isn't, yeah. isn't it his shoulder. Yeah, it's his shoulder. It was also something he said, I think, that he had for like two years. Like, what? Yeah, like I like that. Just, uh, there's nothing about yeah, it's not fun. Anything about that that has me excited about. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it's not it's not it's not good. Um, I'm we're gonna move past that as we make it a little bit long on this podcast. But before we do, we're gonna take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, so we are back, and I am the host. <laughs> As we talk about Alex Fast, top 100 starting pitchers. I In these 30s, I, I think we can go pretty quickly through it. The only one thing, obviously, everyone needs to know, Nick, he has Manoa overseas. Everything is fine. Uh, but you do have him at 33, which is a bit farther from my 21-22 mark. What is it that you hate about Alec. <laughs> uh, it's not that I hate him. You know, I don't hate him. I mean, I, I just don't, like, he's shockingly not great at getting swings and misses outside of the zone, which I thought was mm. actually, that, like, as I, I went into it being like, I, I dig out, you know, I love watching him pitch. I think he's a lot of fun. The slider is absolutely fantastic, and I don't want to take away from that at all. But there were warts that popped up. Um, yeah, not great at getting swings and misses out of the zone. Maybe and remember, I look at O swinging strike rate. I don't look at O uh O swing as much. Um, and while he's really good at limiting hard contact, I'm also curious to see if that lasts. You add the walk rate to that, you add the unsustainable BABIP in a full year of Toronto. And I think what it comes down to is like I think a lot of these rankings are all like, yeah, he's building and it's going up. 
And I wanted to be like, yeah, he's building and there is a chance that it's not going up with that walk rate. There's a chance that he's getting burned by that walk rate. Sure. Um, so it, to me, it was just trying to bake in a little bit more of what that potential downside could be there. Um, and because it's like what we always talk about, right? Maybe the changeup doesn't take a step forward. Maybe the sinker takes a step back. You know mm. what I mean? Sure. That's a realistic possibility that any of those four seamers don't perform as well. I think we can both agree that the slider probably isn't. The, the slider is a great pitch. It's probably not taking any steps back. But yeah. it's there. I, I just, I don't know. The more I looked closely, the more I was like, there are some small warts here that could grow and turn Absolutely. you into an ugly yeah. witch. Okay, okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> all right. I, I will say that, you know, whenever we do this stuff, uh, it's all about figuring out what issues we want to, we think are more relevant and we're yeah. weighting that between guys. So for me, I'm saying I think McClanahan's fastball hard contact issue is more of a legitimate one that will stick around than Manoa's 35% O swing on a slider, essentially. And that's mm-hmm. 63% strike rate. I think over time, he gets more comfortable throwing down the zone and it becomes more of a just I need to throw this pitch more and then I'll get a better feel for it and improve there. I don't actually expect McClanahan, sorry, uh, Manoa's changeup to improve. I don't really think he needs to. 40% I, I whiff rate on four seamers outside the zone, by the way. Uh, so there, he is getting some... Uh, on the sliders, yeah. Oh, uh, no, on four seamers. On four seamers? Four seamers, 40% whiff rate when swung out of the zone, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there is something to love about that four-seamer slider combination. Uh, to me, the only step forward I need to see is that slider getting more than a 63% strike rate. And you're right. It could easily be like, Nick, it's not getting better with that. And maybe his fastball isn't as dominant. And yeah, Toronto could be worse for him. He wasn't a home run prone guy last year, but maybe he is this year. Who knows? I mean, the human humidor is something to consider too in Toronto. That may be allowing us to be more favorable for Toronto guys than we currently are. I I don't know how to react to a humidor often. Like it should just be like, oh yeah, be more beneficial. But like, how much so should I actually yeah, think about what's that? The weight, yeah. I uh, so I'm. I mean, look, I'm obviously I'm a I, man, I keep saying McClanistan, but Uh-oh. I am that. But I am also a giant Manoa fan. Um, I am leaning on that in a couple of leagues already. I'm going to stick with that. Is this our first board? Is this our, not our first? Is this a board? Oh, yeah. This is a board bet. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to leave it to the PL Plus. Oh, absolutely. The PL Plus Discord. You guys are going to vote um, at the end of the year uh, on who was the better standard five by five pitcher to have this year. We're not going to do a a player raider. None of that. It's going to be pure vote because I think that's just a better understanding of the flow through the year. Um, All right. We're going to move on to the next tier that doesn't exist. I uh, because he didn't do tears. Um, you have this interesting thing of like you have Bassett at 39 and Stroman at 40, and I'm not shocked to see that you're higher on Stroman than I am. Mm-hmm. But there are some guys like there's Framber Valdez at 48 and Eduardo Rodriguez at 45 and Ethan Baldi 42. And I think this is the first time I've seen Stroman above all of those. Yeah. And I know you've talked a lot about Stroman in the past, but I really wanted you to get a chance to reiterate why you have Stroman at 40. His ADP, as you put here, is 164. While you have like, uh, I mean, Shui Otani's is kind of weird. You can't Yeah, that, that. that I can't. I can't. Yeah. yeah. But um, but you had others like Ian Anderson, 136, and Luis Garcia, 146. Wow, 146 with Luis Garcia? All right, we're kind of on the same page about that one. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Marcus Stroman, take it away. 
Yeah. Okay. So there's one first thing, which is like, uh, who gets more innings between Stroman, Flaherty, Ivaldi, Otani, Severino, then maybe Erod gets some more. Um, yeah, I, I'd I say Erod and Stroman are pretty even, but you're right. All these other guys should be lower. It should be lower. Okay. So then we have that. So then it comes down to, okay, who probably has the better ERA? Stroman over Ivaldi, Severino, Erod, Manaya means he's going to have a better ERA, in my opinion, than all of them. The whip is where it gets questionable. For yes. sure. And the K's and, are is no question. Yes. The K's are th- there's no question about well, it. Well, I mean, it's right? a it's a balance of like, let's say he has a 22% K rate, but it's over 180 innings. Like, how that's, you know, how much is exactly there there? But the I'm whip, thinking. the whip is the problem. It's I don't the believe the one that I really like. Yeah, <laughs> oh, don't, don't do believe this. The- John John Heyman made that joke, just so you're clear. <laughs> Oh, All right. No, so I don't terrible. know if you want to do this. Time to retire. <laughs> time to retire. Um, it just pops into my head every time. Yeah. The, the whip <laughs> is, the, is the theoretical thing. I mean, I think a lot of people see that he's going to this Cubs team and they're worried about what the defense could be like behind him. I just am a believer in the changes that he made last year with the Mets that amped up the swinging strike rate a little bit. I never, I don't think he's going to be a 23%. K guy. That's just, I just mm-hmm. don't think that's what he's built to do, but I do think that the ability for him to have, um, uh, that swing and miss upside that he has expressed a little bit in the past, but seems to be more consistent with now could theoretically suppress that whip as well. I just don't see it getting into, I mean, maybe I'm crazy. I just don't think it's going to be in the 1.25 category. And I think if I have a 1.2 whip out of Marcus Stroman with those innings, with those ratios and a good amount of K's, not, not great. I very much know that then that's nice to have over uh, some of the other guys that are listed behind him. And then it kind of comes down to what you said earlier, which is like, so what are the warts and how do we weight them, right? Which yep. is just a gross way to kind of put it, but we're waiting more. <laughs> um, and when I look at the warts for Stroman, yes, there is a chance that the Babbitt, you know, falls down and uh, the Cubs defense is terrible behind him and the improvements that he made with the splitter or change up whatever last year aren't great and the whip goes down to 130 or whatever. I still think that the ERA uh, floor isn't, super low i don't think he's i don't think he's ever been a four era guy uh has he he's never been I mean, he's never had a, a fit below i mean he has four. like you know 2018 he was a terrible year for the for the oh Jays. yeah that was right yeah that but no it's, it's the fifth that's never been above four it's yeah it's the fifth is what i was thinking of um so but then you get down to eovaldi we know there's plenty of plenty of ways that that can go real south um so yeah i was just kind of looking at the risk around it and seeing like well all these other guys have just as much scariness behind them. So give me, give me a, like, he's that one guy that I like to pepper into the list every once in a while. That's like, bam, you got a lot of risk. Take Marcus Stroman, right? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? He's a great pair with like a Mike Clevenger, in my opinion. He's, there's so much risk early on in the top 40 with, with injury that it's like, take a Stroman. Hey man, go ahead. Take a Stroman. Peralta Stroman. Love it. Yeah. Um, First of all, my autobiography is going to be called waiting warts. Waiting um, <laughs> uh, just so we're clear here i i don't know how good the floor is from stroman um and i know you're talking about the era i totally understand the floor though generally comes with a better ratio as far as whip goes and i really am concerned about it he had a 115 whip last year but the hard contact was worse than mcclanahan um 30 mm-hmm. hard contact 155th among all starting pitchers that's what he allowed. And you don't, especially when you see that hard contact and you see like on ground balls and stuff, that is going to push up that whip. Uh, I, I know the 6% walk rate is helping avoid the 130 and so, but 
oh man, it, it gets really, really dicey um, when those things don't go the same way that they they did last year. Um, I, I'm concerned about that. The the gains that we saw maybe in cutters and sliders, uh, it's never really like worked out the way that we've wanted it to. Uh, and you know the cutter had a slightly better swing striker to 15% last year as opposed to the 12% we saw in 2019. I don't know. I don't know how I feel quite yet about it. Good to see the higher strike rate on it. But to me, it, it feels like a draft pick here. Yes, it's it's helping you. Um, like I would be fi- I would be fine having him in all my 12 teamers. It's just what is the gap between what you can find in season and Strowman? Yeah. And it's it, there is some I'm not saying it doesn't exist. But what you're trying to do in your drafts is get a team that you feel like, cool, I've got my foundation that I definitely do not want to get rid of. And the fact that you have Bassett right next to him, and Bassett to me is, oh man, I I have no fears about Chris Bassett. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in, across the board, what you get from Bassett is going to be better than Stroman, like definitively. Ear rate, whip, strikeouts, like same amount of innings. Mm-hmm. You know, I that's how I feel about Bassett. So I mean, yeah, I have Bassett over him. Um, right, but it's like one, so it's like kind of like showcasing to me. That right there is is a perfect uh, showcase of like how different I am. Like the, I could see the repelling of the magnets of are those we, two. Are we digging into hard hit too much? Uh, like it's the, possible, the, but like, I think like, I think is in. Look at the hard yeah. hit. Like Robbie Ray's there. Kevin Gaussman's there. Shohei Robbie Ray's there. Robbie Ray's at like twenty five though. I uh, and I mean it you is. see like Peralta. It explains Peralta really really well. Like Peralta is the number sure. one starting pitcher in hard contact, about 17%, right? Corbin Burns is under 18% as well. I, and there is something to be said about this. I, because clearly we've talked about it with Peralta, like he's professor chaos, but he's mm. absurdly hard to hit. Um, and on the same side, like we know that, you know, his fastball is like very hittable. And what he knows ton of hard contact allowed. I am a pretty big believer in hard contact over played appearance. It's not everything as with every stat. Like I'm a believer in CSW, but I know that I can't just look at a CSW and call it a day. I do think it is an indication that you are going to see a higher whip next year from Stroman. How much we'll find out. Um, But uh, unless you get it. Yeah. Is it sticky? It is. Yeah. I, so we're going to move on to other guys because we can't just make it a Stroman cast. Um, we want to do another board bet here. I don't know. And I got nothing yeah. I really wanted to fit. Yeah, I don't think there's do. yeah, enough there. I would say Ian Anderson's going to be better, though. But that's fine. Ian uh, Anderson? What a name. <laughs> wow, I do maybe that, that is. Yeah. Maybe that yeah, is. I mean, you have bet. you have down at 53, which I'm like, nah, I think he's way better. Uh, so, yeah, put that one on the board. Everybody's keeping um keeping track of these board bets, right? We've got. What is Ian Anderson Manoa? doing better than Strowman? Well, if you want to talk about next year as opposed to this year, I think uh-huh. that you see this 23-year-old that is going to continue to improve in the major leagues. I With think what? that the change of fastball, curveball combination. So, like, the changeup has been kind of known for us to not truly understand as well of how yeah. Ian Anderson's changeup is good. And I think it has a lot to do with it being over the top and the deception and the angle he's going at it with. Um, that's personally how I feel about that. I think the curveball will get better. We saw moments of bliss with that pitch. Um, and I think overall, the thing I think ha- uh, improves the most is when you essentially you just need more innings to get more command. And I, I do truly believe that Ian Anderson is not destined to be uh, a chaotic pitcher. Um, I think he as he continues to pitch for the for Atlanta consistently, you will see him spot his pitches better. 
and that's what I'm looking forward to this year for Ian Anderson. It's more of a gut thing, and I recognize okay. this a thing on an earlier one. Yeah. But I'm very I, much I, in on Ian Anderson, uh, especially if he's going at 53 or so, which is not ADP is 136, and I haven't drafted him because of that because it's at 136, and I, I just don't see myself in there. But there, more so than Stroman. I just want to say there are studies that find uh, there are studies. Sorry, yeah, I just like my phrase. <laughs> that I'm looking. So I'm looking at the, the once again this great. There's a visual in the article from Pitching Bot that is from Fangraphs via Bill Petty and Jeff Zimmerman looking at walk rate over age. Okay, mm-hmm. which would and but your your walk rate does you know it's one of the ones that drops the least as you age, but it mm. doesn't get better. There's it seems like there's a lot of evidence that shows that your walk rate is your walk rate mm. uh, over time. And that's a 10% walk rate for Ian Anderson with three pitches that he's not adding to in in Arsenal. And I know that like... So I will say this. I wonder if that's... um, I mean, I could be completely wrong at this moment. I... When you see like your walk rate is your walk rate, are you saying like you're taking all those guys who are 7% walk rate and chilling as a 7%? Or is it saying like, hey, here are all the guys that have had 10% plus walk rates and how many times have that improved? You know what I, I mean? think it's uh, yeah, I think it's more like it's ra- it's rarer to take a guy who's got a 10 percent walk rate and be like, hey, now it's a six percent walk rate. Sure. It's yeah, like, no, I understand like, that. I'm not expecting a six percent walk rate for me. Anderson. Okay. All I'm getting at is uh, we've seen at least we've seen pitchers like Mike Clevenger go from like a 12 percent mm-hmm. walk rate to like a seven percent, eight percent walk rate. We've mm-hmm. seen Robbie Ray just do it from a ridiculous yep. one down to six, seven percent. Uh, it's something that I think over time. Also, we we're seeing more of a transition to guys being fewer nibblers to saying, just throw your stuff in the zone guys, you know, and and I think that Ian Anderson over time will be doing that more with that delivery though. I've made my point clear fast. All right. right. I think we have a board (laughs) bet again. If anything, I'd say, I'd say being over the top like that is easier to do that and get strikes than it is slinging from the side. But he hasn't. No, I'm, but, right, but I'm saying like it's more of an easier adjustment to make. Oh, okay, okay. I hear you. That's all. Um, anyway, as you clipped once again, that was a loud clip. That was a, that was. That was oh, but I'm not in the mic. No, no, no. Yeah, you're not. You got to mess that up. Yeah, sorry. You've, anyway, uh, I'm going to move past that. You put 9.6 for Shoei Otani as ADP. I understand you couldn't. I couldn't. Really fix that. I can't. You yeah, can't I know, find I know, you his can't. ADP anywhere. You can't. I know. It's weird. Because so I mean, annoying. because I mean, honestly, Yahoo is the weird one for having two different play- players. Yeah. But um, all right, we're going to move past this. Stuff. There's a, there's the normal names you expect around the 50s and all that kind of stuff. And oh, man, I only got like 10, 15 minutes left with you. Oh, my God. Drew Rasmussen at 56. <laughs> yeah. And this is like this is 294 ADP understood. Mm-hmm. All right. Have your moment fast. Tell me everything that I am so obviously overlooking about Drew Rasmussen, that you have him over Tarek Skubal, Shane Boz, Tanner Houck, Alex Wood, who I thought you loved, Anthony Descofani, and at 62 is Patrick Sandoval. But no, Mm -hmm. you would rather have Drew Rasmussen. Please tell us why. Yeah, so Rasmussen has really great stuff. So he he has he grades mm. way high uh, higher than average on stuff plus. Um, he grades way higher than average on location plus, and he's pitching in a fantastic park with a fantastic team behind him as the number two starter for the Rays right now. Uh, the pieces at the moment seem to be there to allow uh, Rasmussen to be a prominent part of that rotation. He gave up a lot of hard contact last year. He got minimal whiffs outside of the zone as well as some average stuff inside of the zone. 
29% CSW is good. Uh, 8% walk rate, obviously not great. Um, I think it's crazy to see a guy who got hit that hard have a sub 300 Woba on both his fastball and his slider. Okay, that again, seems weird, doesn't the, it? It does, but I think it again fits into the narrative that we're getting back to this entire podcast. Oh, okay, so you're you're thinking that hit. like you think that hard contact rate is not. I, I'm I'm on the other side. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's getting hit hard, really hard. And I think he's getting fortunate. But you're saying like, no, maybe hard contact isn't actually that important. I'm well, I'm not saying that it's not that important. I'm saying that it's the Bieber effect again. It's when it gets mm. hit, it gets hit hard. And that's okay. Like, I think this is a thing that you could well no, but it's it, all of base. Time out, time out, time out, time out. This is that's not the that's what hard hit percentage is. Mm-hmm. When it gets hit, it gets hit hard. Hard yeah. contact is over all plate appearances, which is a very important distinction and why I hear more about hard contact rate. So our contact, the denominator is plate appearances. So that includes uh-huh. when he strikes out guys on this pitch or he walks guys on this pitch. So that's that's the important reason. This is what Alexander Chase has been pushing. Was saying like, we got to stop using hard hit percentage, which is over bad ball event. We got to start yeah. using hard contact percentage, which is over plate appearances. So it does, it's like, essentially said like, oh, Glasnow and Bieber, more hard contact than Dallas Keuchel. But no, sure. Dallas yeah, Keuchel yeah. allows more hard contact because he just doesn't strike out as many guys and, and walks guys and he has more bad ball events. That's the important conversation here. And that's why sure. I'm leaning more on hard contact than hard okay. hit percentage. I hear what you're saying. Um, I think the final eight starts for Rasmussen when he was just a starter. Okay? Yes. Uh, 146 ERA, 17% carry, this which was, was this great. Blew my um, mind. 276 FIP, 76 whip, and a 9% swing strike rate. Not a lot you of did, swing and miss. You didn't mention the most impressive part. What? Uh, starting on, on Thursday, August 12th mm-hmm. at Boston versus the Orioles at Philly versus Boston at Boston at Toronto versus Toronto at Houston. What? Yeah, he's not on your top 100 because he didn't throw more than 75 pitches in any of them. And I think the Rays, I think this is actually something I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Eno about. I think he even mentioned in this thing about stuff plus is I mean, he brought up the whole thing that the Rays are very much about pitch efficiency and when in your pitch counts, you stop, you start declining in your ability. And I believe this is my theory about Drew Rasmussen is that they think with his four seamer being the heavy pitch, the slider, not nearly getting, you know, being as good as it should be. We think maybe from like the shape of it or whatever, 55% strike rate is really bad and not a consistent slider. Um, and that's his, that's all he has, just four well, seamers and sliders. Yeah. And that's maybe that doesn't prove. But what, what all I'm getting at is the Rays know when to remove Rossmussen. And I don't think you're going to see an 85, 90 pitch Rossmussen at all. And you had these starts where he allowed one base runner, three base runners. It just worked out this way. But because of that, he was able to go five innings with 70 pitches. And you won't see that. I don't I, think. I think you're making jumps on this is a man who was a reliever. Like, of course he got 75. There was no like, ramp up though. You see ramp ups. That's what you normally see. You see like, I don't know. Oh, okay. Just, you're going to be a starter. We're going to stretch you out. He didn't. I don't know. Maybe, but that's what I'm saying. Those maybe they just didn't, they were like, okay, we're not going to stretch you out too much. We're going to wait until next year until we do it. But right now he's listed as the number two starter for them. Oh yeah. He's going to go 75. Wait, he's listed by go 75 pitches for him. Yeah. by who? Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, you think he's going to go seventy-five? But seriously, what yeah, else are they going to do? I actually do. Yeah, what else are they going to do right now? They don't have I mean, Luis Patino, who's probably going to be on the shelf for a little Kluber, bit. I Shane mean, Baz. we've we've asked this for a while, like what the Rays going to do? Like they don't. 
we don't see guys go like not even Shane McClanahan was going six innings last year. And when they still had a depleted rotation, like the Rays are the Rays here. No, no. But what I'm getting at is like the, the ceiling that we expect for Rasmussen. And I'm not even like conceding the point that all of a sudden his stuff is amazing. If only he has five innings consistently, then like he's a stud or something. I don't believe that. But even so, I, I don't expect a six inning start from Rasmussen. Maybe we'll get like one, if we're lucky that he's like so pitch efficient, but I, I, my, my clear, that's just why I don't have him in my top 100. I have him close to it, but it's not there because as a fantasy manager, I don't think I'm going to be starting Rasmussen getting enough out of it. By the way, in those starts strikeout rates, one, five, two, three, three, two. And mm-hmm. that, that's his final six of them. He had three and four. I mean, like he's not a strikeout I think machine. Slider. I think and the slider. Yeah. The slider isn't getting strikes. It's not a consistent pitch. So this I, is what Eno yeah. talked about in that podcast where he was like, he Great. Was like, I talked to the Rays and they were like, his slider grades as an unbelievable slider. Why is it not getting the whiffs right now? And they were like, we don't know. <laughs> That's, I'm like, so I'm taking a leap of faith that that slider okay. can take another, another step forward and that they can figure it out with him. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's why he is uh, where he is. All right. I would be thrilled. Oh man. That'd be so cool. If I, I, I would just call him the doctor, you know, um, DR. Oh, DR. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that sounds great. So why do you hate Patrick Sandoval so much? And I, uh, yeah, just what, well, come on, man. What's going on? I, I, so, okay. This is all predicated on really, this is all predicated on one game with that changeup. Right. Uh, so much of his upside is like, holy crap. He had uh, a, a, an un, a, 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 one of the best starts of the changeup of the year, right? More whiffs than any other pitch, more whiffs than any, he had the most whiffs of the year, right? 38. Well, yeah, oh my God. How could you? What's the t shirt? What's the t shirt? Unbel- I'm not even going to give it to you. All right. That's fine. Um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. But overall, the stuff is below average. Overall, the fastballs are below average. And so is the command. Like, and I, I don't understand why all of a sudden we're just for, forgetting that he's good at getting whiffs in and out of the zone. Maybe the stuff plays a little bit better. Pretty good at limiting hard contact. Really good CSW could be overly bolstered by what's happening with the changeup. Um, it's a fantastic changeup. So both fastballs had Wobas over 350. Uh, both are pitches that I would say he doesn't command particularly well. Um, you know, it's funny. I sent that overlay of the sinker and the, and the change. change up. Up. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I thought it was gorgeous. I sent it to a pitcher and they were like, this isn't that great. And I was like, what really? And he was like, yeah, the arm action is a complete and dead giveaway as opposed mm-hmm. to, to what pitch is what pitch. And that, but it that, wasn't clearly because he had a 29% swing strike rate. Uh, maybe you could say to the fastball. Uh, the, the, uh, he was saying that the arm action of the fastball is what gives it away. And, Interesting. And that's well, why it had a Woba over huh. 350. Well, I mean, I, w- I would think if there's a dead giveaway, then it would affect both the changeup and the fastball. Maybe. I mean, I'm, uh, listen, this is just what this is just. Yeah, what I no, told. I know. That's an interesting and there point. Is, there is evidence on the on the heaters being not good. Um, he has a walk rate near 10%. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him replicate a sub four ERA. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe there is a step forward. If the, the, the change up and sinker turn into an effective <laughs> pitch, or are we going to have to change up? <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah, stage yeah. up. Um, the, so maybe there's a step forward there. Technically that sinker was something he was exploring with, but I just think that there's a really wide gap between that floor and ceiling because yes, there is a possibility that the sinker and the change up come together. We see the sub four ERA again. We see that, but the thing that we've seen more consistently 
is uh, a really poor command injury concerns out the wazoo. So there's a chance that you're getting 130 innings, 120 innings of a plus four ERA with a 10% walk rate. That is not good. That is not good for your team. So hmm. I don't know, man. I, I just, and it's not like he's in the eighties. He's in the sixties. I, I understand. Why do you hate Patrick Sandoval? <laughs> so I think, I think those are pretty valid points. Okay. Uh, they are absolutely are. Um, I, I, I would be lying if I didn't feel that I had genuine concerns about Patrick Sandoval where I have him ranked is mid forties. And to me, that's where we start having all of these concerns. I mean, you talked about the warts of the twenties, uh, and all these guys are going to have significant things to say, Whoa, hold on a second. Um, the thing I keep coming back to with Sandoval, which is kind of weird for me because I generally don't like going on the, I, uh, on the shallow level of the overall as much. And I like going more on the individual stuff. But at the end of the day, if you remember, like when I first started doing pitcher gifts and pitcher list and the things I focused on as, you know, as a college pitcher through sinkers inside and believed in that, I was like, oh, I love seeing sinkers and high ground ball rates and stuff. And I went away from that. But I came back to the ground ball rate on one condition that he also gets whiffs. If you get grounders, so you're limiting, you know, the contact is less a chance of being a home run and you get whiffs, then I'm in. And the fact that Sandoval last year it was 13th in overall swing strike rate and 31st in ground ball rate with a 52% ground ball rate. Meanwhile, 19th in hard contact at, at 22%. Those three things, that's pretty dang cool. Um, now, I, I totally understand the walk rate. I totally understand the concerns that this gets worse. Um, you know, it was a 17 whiff performance of changeups in that game. And maybe that does push up the whole thing of this one start just being that good that it kind of disrupts or the uh, displaces the entire metrics. I, I totally can understand that argument. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Patrick Sandoval from this. He was a legitimate ace during those starts. I mean, it, it really, no, he was though no, no, I'm not during that, that stretch of that. And you, I don't, we, it, it's a question of, is that going to continue or not? Like I'm not expecting him to be a legitimate ace this year. Um, uh, how far back does it go? And it, it's it's not as clear cut. Like, it, yes, this man, you know, the question I always ask is, yes, he deserved the success he had at this time. Because I think that honestly, looking at it, he deserved the success. But I don't. that doesn't mean that he's going to do the same thing tomorrow. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's not an obvious thing that, oh, regression is so obviously coming for me. Some ways you can say, look, who knows if this is going to be a 10% walk rate again. I, I know we were just talking about walk rates and all that kind of thing. Is it going to be dramatically this bad? Because um, then if it gets even worse from that, then that 121 might go down. I uh, It's it's all weird. Uh, and I will say I do trust that changeup still being elite. I love the fact that he has this curveball to get strikes with that it was very effective at doing so. Uh, absurdly so to the point of like a 41% CSW should not be replicated, but still that means to me at least it's going to be over a 30% rate. Uh, and then you have a slider that is incredibly effective as well. It's just a question of like, how is he going to figure out those fastballs? I don't know. But the fact that if those fastballs are really great to me at this point, that's a more, that's, that's an, if I'm willing to buy in on more so than the other guys. I just think that with all the things that you just said to have that at a 40 ahead of Eovaldi and Kershaw, well, like Kershaw Kershaw is probably going to jump up with a very good, with a fine spring. That was a point. Like okay. we know nothing about Kershaw and like 
what is going on with that guy? We have no mm-hmm. idea, right? I mean, he pitched yesterday 89 uh, mile per hour fastball. It looked fine. I'm probably pushing up Kershaw past it now. I mm-hmm. uh, With Eovaldi, I've, I've talked a lot about my questions of Eovaldi. Uh, and maybe I am being too low on that as a more secure thing. And that's very much of your philosophy of like what you want to get versus this and yep. that. Um, as you guys know me, I take slightly more risks because I am more, I don't know, inclined to feel confident in my ability to recover from said risks. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, look, I'm not saying that you should have him in the forties, but not in the sixties. That's all. Hmm. That's all I'm going for. All right, we're gonna we're gonna move on because we have one more guy. Because I know you had to, you had a hard out, so I'm going through this, and I think I see. I don't know. Is there is there one guy to me that's just like, what are you doing? Uh, what is the one picture you felt like, Nick? I need to get off this chest, uh, this off my chest of like, I need to talk about this guy. This is ridiculous. I mean, I can I can do a quick rundown. I guess of some of the guys that I like. I I think you know, quick one hitters. I think Adam Wainwright can. He started nibbling with the sinkers a little bit more, and the curveball is still great. And I, I don't know. I think his command is still so good that it wouldn't be crazy for him to be closer to what he did last year than what we think. Like, I don't think he's going to plummet to like a low three ERA guy. I ended up liking Christian Javier a little bit more than I think, with the command being the biggest concern. Yeah, Alex I don't Cobb. think he's going to start though. I think it's Diego to Rizzi instead of Christian Javier. The, the Astros have started him in spring as the uh, like in a game. And it's annoying. That's the annoying part there. We're both out on Ranger Suarez. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take over. We're both out on Ranger Suarez. We're both out on Hunjin Ryu. That's great. I like to see that you're in on Cobb. I think we're in the same spot on Adam Wainwright. I think I actually pushed them higher than you, which is really funny to me. Mm. Um, You're out on, I think, a little bit on John Gray and Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan, I'm very out on. Yeah. Why? Joe Ryan, I, I, he, so a lot of his success is predicated upon the fact that he can hide a four seamer. The four seamer, by every conceivable metric in terms of stuff, is not a good four seamer. It's truly mm. not. Like, it's just a really, really bad four seamer. And I think as people start to see him a little bit more, um, they're going to hit the heck out of that four seamer a little bit more. And as people start to see him over the course of a full season and he sees the, you know, the, um, uh, the Tigers again and the uh, the Royals again, like they're just going to pick up on it a little bit quicker. And I don't think there really is much behind that aside from some good location. So I, I don't know. I'm just I, I, I don't really see it for Joe Ryan this year. Sure. OK, last one. Uh, well, two more. Actually, I'm going to do two more. Brian Yarbrough at 94. Talk to me about him. Yeah, so Ryan Yarbrough, I mean, I definitely went back and forth, and I think it is just about some of the other names behind him that I, I didn't really love. Yarbrough is showing a tick of improvement in velo, and when he had the velo that he's currently showcasing, his slider jumped over a 20% strike rate, swing strike rate again, and he had a low four ERA or high three ERA in that time, actually. And I don't think that that is impossible for him to get back to with that velocity. So now we're talking about maybe 130, 140 innings of a low four ERA with an okay whip, I think in the 90s, that and a lot of wins. I think there's enough upside there to be considered. And then there were just other guys who I didn't want to put above him. I really wanted to put Kyle Gibson in there, but the stats about the infield defense in Philly truly has me shaking in my boots. Um, when he went to Philly last year, he was not good. And yeah, I, I wonder if that, that was, I took that as a stuff thing, less of the defense thing. 
the defense was ter- I, I tweeted about the outs above average for him between right. Texas and Philly and it was insane it was insane yeah it was like four to negative four or something like that yeah it was like uh, the full range of the spectrum and right. they also were like hey throw your cutter more right and so okay like, so so uh, the, thing about, the thing about Gibson I mean this is like the 90s now is okay I'm just thinking the first week is there someone here yeah. that I start for the first week and then move on I don't know if I do it with the Yarbrough because how are the Rays going to do anything i don't know man sure uh, and kyle gibson at least had like the now the uh i don't know the the empty offense of the athletics you know yeah um i won't call them the pe class instead of the athletics now sure uh That's and and then like i want to say also you're 100 now you like nick 100 mm. needs to be special it is baby and, and the thing is there's no way i'm passing on all the other guys like I'm passing on Matt Brash with and getting Brady Singer instead, you know. But did you just like again? There's no way I see Matt oh, Brash yeah. on the board, and I don't say no. You know what? I'd rather have Brady Singer, or Ryan Yarbrough. But you just did for the 100. Confession. I did it. Yeah, I did yeah. the 100. So where would Matt Brash actually be? If he was okay, so if you were like, if Matt Brush is guaranteed that number five spot, well, we know, no, no, not right even now. right now, but right now, no, let's say that he's not guaranteed it. Let's just say, like, you're taking a chance on him getting the guaranteed spot because that's what it is right now. And I'm removing the notion of 100 being what it is. Yeah. How dare we? I'm, this is, you know, because the people remove deserve the that sanctity path. of no, people deserve the real, the real, yeah, 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 magnificent um, perfection. Okay, hold on, let me take a look. Yeah, above Yarbrough, maybe around um, around Detmers is what I assumed. I 90. was literally going to say right above Detmers. Yeah, yeah because that's the same, the, kind of the same mentality. Yeah. yeah, it's the same mentality. Okay. Like I, I maybe maybe above Lauer and maybe above Heaney. Yeah, well, is the Lauer there because of the groin injury? No, I just am not into as Lauer as you are. But he increases velocity on both his fastball and his cutter. All right, that's fine. Uh, you can do whatever you want, buddy. Yeah, but that is going to do it fast. Uh, we're right wow. at the hour mark. We got to get going. Um, I appreciate everybody on Twitch and on Twitter watching this one live. A very special surprise that we decided to throw at everybody today. We'll be doing this stuff live actually on schedule at some point this year. We'll have more to announce later on. But uh, I, I thank you all so much for being here talking about Alex Fast Top 100. Um, but that's going to do it for episode 315 of On the Corner, the official pitchless.com podcast. I'm your host, Nick Pollock. And I'm Alex Fast. And we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>